0: Live from the Sales Mega Marathon, The Core presents Sales Training Bootcamp with Jeremy Forcier. Today's topic, cultivating new realtor relationships. Oh, holy moly. Oh. Whew. Why'd you make me cry before I come up here? Wow. Let's do a quick exercise. Are you guys with me? Say yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So there's gonna be plenty of times in this talk where I say, you can. I'm gonna role play it, so don't worry. And then you're gonna say, do this together, okay? So it sounds like this. When I say, hey, you know, and so you can, you're all gonna go, do this. Cool, can we practice once? All right, so it's because you can yes. Thank you. Now it has to be that loud every single time or I'll keep repeating myself over and over and over again. So, new realtor relationships. How many realtors are in here secretly? Raise your hand, please. No, I'm serious. Could you stand up, please? I know there's one. Well, you're gonna be the one that might be offended, but you're gonna like me at the end, I swear, you really are. Realtor relationships are an interesting thing, especially new ones. Especially when they don't call you back ever, or they don't answer your texts, or you give them a nice gift, and they just think it's straight up creepy rather than awesome. It's all happened to me a million times. But before I was doing that, I was doing the opposite of Austin. I was like, Alt-A loans, baby. You don't need any income, 660 credit score. This is fantastic. I mean, I literally walked in my second year in the business to someone's office and overheard Kathy Brown, rest in peace, longtime loan officer at this brokerage I was working at. And I heard her talking to an account executive in there, JD who I did a lot of business with as a broker. And I heard her asking about this new Alt-A loan program. And I was listening to her, she hung up the phone, I walked in, just like I always did, arrogant, full of and vinegar. And I was like, Kathy Brown, what's up? She's like 62, I'm 25, okay? Kathy Brown, what's up? And Kathy was like, hey Jeremy. Just like she did every time. That's what she sounded like by the way, hey Jeremy. I was like, hey, so tell me, you were talking to JD, I overheard it when I walked in. So what's this new all day loan program? Tell me so I can go sell. And she looked at me like this. You're an (laughs) ass. And I said, okay, and I left. And then I went into the managing broker's office, I go, hey, so what's up with this new all day program? And Tom was like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, call JD called JD, and this is how JD and I, you know, talk. I'd be like, JD, what's up, my Dizzle? And he was like, oh, it's my Jizzle, what's up, Jizzle, how you doing today? And I was like, did you get that new E40 CD, the mailman I sent you? He's like, I did, it's knocking. And I was like, that's awesome. So hey, bud, tell me, I heard you talking to Kathy Brown, and you were going over this new Alt-A program. Tell me about that. And he said, man, you crazy. That's the loan that you do all day, baby. Those are the loans that you send me. And my heart dropped because I had a moment where I realized that I called it the all day loan program for two years. (laughs) And it literally was always the Alt-A program. I'd literally call him up, JD, you priced me out one of them five, six all day loans. It sounds the same, doesn't it? So I hung up the phone and said, thanks, man. I was just kidding. (laughs) And I had that moment though, right? Where I realized, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I have no clue. All I knew is you had a 660 and you got 100% financing. That's literally all I knew. I was a liability. I was not an asset to anyone. Okay. Now, before that though, Right, when I was 10 years old is when I got my first chip on my shoulder, right, to do well. It's when I asked my dad, my dad asked me, I should say. He said the stupidest question that any parent, if you're a parent, don't ask your kids this when they're little. (laughs) What do you want to do when you grow up? You're 10. I was like, I'm going to buy Japan. That was my answer, just so you know. (laughs) I literally told my dad that when I grow up, I want to buy Japan. And he told me what, what do you think? No, no, he didn't tell me he could do it. This is not the motivational part of the speech. (laughs) No, he said, that is stupid. (laughs) He said, what do you mean you're gonna buy Japan? And at 10 years old, I was trying to articulate that I wanted to do something big, right? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was 10, I wanted to ride sharks. I don't know, but I wanted to do something big. And when he told me that, I'll never forget To Put a little chip on my shoulder. I was like, oh, okay. I thought we could do whatever we wanted with our lives. Guess not, Dad. (laughs) He was right. You can't do whatever you want just so you know in your life. Um, So, that was my first chip. Fast forward to 19 years old. In college. Okay? Get a phone call. Making a breakfast burrito. I can still smell it if I close my eyes. I swear. The chopped up peppers, the onions, everything. The eggs going. Listening to Bob Marley in the background. Pick up the phone. Hey, is this Jeremy? Yep, this is Jeremy. Hey, it's Kelly. Uh, okay. Hey, you have a kid who's six months old. He's definitely yours. Ugh! Defining moment. Ugh! Heavy duty. I saw my, have you guys ever seen Lost? Raise your hand, that show Lost. You know how it like flickers sometimes, like through time, like fast, like photos, or if like you make one of those weird stick figure things that you flip, it's a flip book. That happened to me in real life. I just saw my whole life go away. All the things I thought that I could do in my life. And I decided in that moment though, to make it the reason I would accomplish everything, rather than the excuse. Right, so another defining moment. So I drop out of college, Um, I become a strength trainer because I had done some Olympic style weightlifting competitively for years, and I'm, I'm personal training people. And then I meet a bunch of, who do you think? Say it louder. Yeah, loan officers, mortgage bankers, realtors. And I was like, wow, all these people can afford my services and they drive nice cars. This seems like something that maybe I would be interested in. So I started asking a lot of questions over six months with these clients. And what happened was I drew a parallel that, hey, they have the same job I do, right? So like in my job, as a trainer at the time, I would take a person and then they had a goal, right? And everyone had their own hang-ups that were in the way, challenges, speed bumps they had to overcome to get to that goal. Some people wanted to lose 20 pounds. Some people hated the smell of the gym so they never went. Uh, Some people had bursitis in their shoulders and didn't know how to move correctly. But I would coach that Mac Vogel loved to drink bourbon every single night. So you would coach them through their Issues to get to the goal. And I was like, wow, it sounds like buying a house. You've got a person. They've got a goal They want to buy the house issues need a down payment. Do they need a higher credit score? Do they need a cosigner? There's all these different things. So I said, I'm gonna do that. So I went and got licensed didn't tell anyone and I went to my Meanest client Donna B. Just in case anyone's related to her. I won't use the last name, but you can figure it out Okay, Donna B. And I went to her and said hey I'm gonna become a loan officer and I would love to work with you. And the reason why I liked her is because she was kind of gruff around the edges. And that's always what I wanted from my parents, ironically, because I wanted a little more structure. So she said, nope, what did that do? Second chip, just so you know, on the shoulder. I hate, I love when people tell me no, actually, which we'll get into about chasing these realtors, okay? So said, no, we don't hire new people, they're the worst. And I said, great. And so I bugged her for three weeks over and over again. She said, listen, if you fire every single one of your clients, right, I will hire you. She thought I would never do that. At this time, by the way, I was always a good salesperson. I was booked out three months in advance, solid. I made people buy 40 sessions, not five at a time. I was killing it technically as a 20 something year old trainer. Guess what I did? I fired every single person except for five because I told everyone that my rates are going from $50 to $150 an hour. I thought that was the easiest way to break up with all of them at the same time. But I had six that said, yeah. So I was like, well, I'll keep training those six, right? (laughs) So I did train for the first seven months in my mortgage career for the record, okay? So Donna was the last person. I went to her office, I was in my gym clothes and I walked in and said, hey, What's up? And she was like, oh, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to start working. You're the last client I haven't fired. You're fired. You gotta hire me, you said so. And she just looked at me and said, "Shit." <laughs> that was it, that's what she said. She goes, all right, Monday you can start answering the phones. So I'm very different than Austin, okay? Um, they put me uh, at the phones. I had never sat at a desk or use a computer, just so you know, ever. So I didn't know how to sit. It was the most awkward looking, short, fat, praying mantis body, like at a desk. It was absolutely horrific. Then they were like, okay, you answer phones really good. You talk to people good. We need to teach you how to process. You're gonna help Eric Leithlider process loans. Two weeks in, Eric says, we need to have a meeting. Don, get it. Donna, get in here. We sit down and he, and he literally i am sitting right in front of him. He's, it's like, I'm not there. He's all, Jeremy is awful. <laughs> He literally listens to nothing I say. I tell him to order a VOE or to collect these docs, to stack, I was, I was just stacking files, stack the file correctly. And he goes, okay, no problem. And five minutes later he goes, hey, so I got this scenario, like with a client, because I was already marketing. I wanted to do business. So I just started doing loans right away. Now I had some early on success quickly. I was a top producer in the brokerage within my first year and a half moved on to another brokerage, became the top producer there, and then I got the invitation to be a speaker, the Young Gun Rookie of the Year, at Lone Toolbox, big giant seminar. And I was like, yes, I've arrived. Now, the reality was I was doing decent business. I was doing really good business back then. The reality was I was only three years in the business, but the reality was, is that I was crumbling behind closed doors because I didn't grow up with any money. I was taught that money was bad to have. I was taught that money made you a bad person and that people that have a lot of money don't do good things usually. So what did I do with all my money? Anyone want to guess? I spent it like it was, woo! Weed. I spent it faster than the Fed was printing money the last two years, you guys. I mean, I'm serious. I might have caused the deficit, okay? It was out of control. I was taking 10 people out the sushi five times a week. Like, it was insane. So I also didn't know that when you're 1099, because I was a broker, you had something called taxes that you pay, okay? All I was told is that uh, everything's a write-off and it's debt motivation. I was like, awesome. So I had a Porsche, I had all the things. And I was an idiot, okay? So I realized at one point that I was a fraud when I had to start learning how to really doing loans when all those fake loans went away. And it was a humbling experience. I also realized that I was a fraud because I'd been ignoring my bills for so long and they were just in literal trash bags. I would just put them in trash bags I didn't have enough money to pay them. I had a big office. I had a bunch of employees, staff, loan officers that all did nothing. because I thought that if you just told someone what to do, they would do it. It Didn't work. Okay, $376,000 later in debt. Okay, I decided to have the come to Jesus talk with myself. I was like, Jeremy, you're a fraud. (laughs) Literally, your wife knows nothing about how bad we are. We're gonna lose our house literally in the next month. We got two little kids and you gotta come clean. So I did. I'll tell you what, that wasn't, that wasn't a great conversation. Okay? <laughs> that conversation, the pain of it lasted about five years after the conversation happened. Now, two days later, ironically, I got a cold call from a company called The Core, which is wild timing how things happen. They call them God moments. I got a call from this guy named Brendan, who I'm indebted to forever. He's like, hey, he's kind of goofy. He's like, hey, is Jeremy? I'm all, yeah, this is him. He's all, the famous Jeremy, the lone toolbox Jeremy. And keep in mind, I am depressed at this point. I had just told my wife that we're losing everything and everything's fake, okay? I mean, I'm hurting, I'm on the ropes. And I said, yes, this is Jeremy, (laughs) right? This is the one, I'm the guy. The next sentence was another defining moment. His question to me. So I just have one question for you. Are you the real deal or are you fake? My response was this. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, it was silent. On the third Mississippi, I'm fake. I cried my eyes out and told the whole story way longer than I just told you to this guy (laughs) for like 26 minutes everything And he, he listened the whole time and at the end it's my favorite he didn't say that's awful he didn't say that's that sounds hard he said you're perfect for our company <laughs> <laughs> and i love that guy for that so he said you got to come to this thing called the summit and i was like sure sign me up let's attack on some debt i'm getting levied every two weeks at this point who cares Let's burn it all. <laughs> so I sign up for this summit. I have no idea what I'm getting into, right? And when I get there, you know, everyone is like, oh, this is the Jeremy, this is Jeremy, this is Jeremy. Like I was some famous D-list mortgage celebrity, which is the worst type of celebrity you could possibly be, bad. And I'm thinking this is part of the shtick, it's part of the cult that we all talk about oh, this is how they sell people. (laughs) They make them feel comfortable. They're gonna acknowledge you. They're gonna build you up. This is interesting. Uh, What I didn't know is that behind closed doors, they had been talking about me and how messed up I am, (laughs) right, for the four months leading up to this summit. And then I got a chance to meet Rick. And Rick also, for being as direct and gruff as sometimes it looks like he can be, He actually showed me a lot of compassion. And he shows you compassion by telling you what you need to do right now (laughs) to fix it. And I listened and he was like, I would love for you to be in the program. I think you can turn this thing around. I said, great, I'm gonna do it. And he said, one condition, one condition, you have to tell your wife you're actually going to do it and how much it costs. Because he knew that I would have lied. And I was like, ugh, defining moment number four. Okay, I'm gonna tell the truth for the first time in 10 years, this is cool. So I'm hyped up, I'm excited to go back and share this information that I'm gonna turn this thing around for us, baby. And it's all on me, it's my fault. So I did. And what do you think my wife said? She said, hell no. Are you, are you out of your mind? We just foreclosed on a house. You made me move into a rental that is like this big. And we have no money. We get levied every two weeks whenever the the paychecks are deposited. So there was a moment where I was going to call Rick and lie again. I was going to say, she said yes and give my credit card that had just enough to start the program. But I didn't. I called him and told him the truth, and I was really disappointed, I left him a voicemail. Hey, I talked to my wife, she said no, I really want to be a part of the program. I'll do the CDs on my own, I'll figure it out, and I'll come back whenever I have the opportunity to come back. Rick called me, it's one of my favorite voicemails, I wish I would have saved it, it was so long ago. He said, oh my God, Jeremy, the famous Forcier. I am so proud of you. You told the truth more than once. It's literally what his voicemail said. Okay? And he went on to say, and I won't keep doing the voice, but he went on to say (laughs) that I believe in you and I will coach you personally for the next six months, okay, just 30 minutes once a month, and if you do everything I say, you will turn it around. And I'm only going to coach you on your personal budget, because that's where you're messed up the most, right? And fixing some processes and systems. Just personal budget, a couple processes and systems. And I said, okay, so keep in mind, in my mind still, I'm like, this is still part of their shtick, the cult. They get you in by saying, no problem, we'll give you a couple months for free. <laughs> I was very skeptical, okay? I did it all though, and he did, he showed up. He didn't have to, right? Coached me on it, how to get my money right. How did, I did every single thing that he said. When I say every single thing, 60%, baby, okay? <laughs> it's like the movie Anchorman, Sex Panther. It works six, 100%, 60% of the time, 100% of the time, okay? <laughs> so I did my best and I made lots of progress and then I got into the core and it changed my life. The graph that you see behind me is a graph that was created called my core journey. And it shows you back in 2008, 2009, just so you know, that yellow line that is on there, that's my cash net worth, and you can see that it's under the the baseline, like way under, okay? And then the orange is the income, okay? So like on the third notch there is when I actually started to implement the core, right? And if you notice, my income kept going up. Now, did it go up really big right away? No, it's a process. It started going up slowly. It started going up slowly. It started going up slowly as I implemented more and more. And my first coach was Dixie Sanders. I don't know where you are, but I'm so glad that you're here. And she was the best, cause she is no nonsense, okay? And she was just like, I don't know. It sounds like you're going to get a divorce and have bankruptcy, like my second call with her. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I just kept going, I kept working the process. And you can see that I went from like 226 to 321 to 486 to 586 to 776 to 889. And then I was really pissed because I got to 990. I didn't break a million, right? To over a million, to 1.4, to 1.7, to 2.1, to 3.4. Now, do you see where the orange goes down again and the yellow goes down? Those are called setbacks. Those are called blips in the market. I, was, I grew too fast. But I couldn't be happier with my experience and journey with the core to take me from negative 376 in the bank, got in at $186,000 in income, last year over $6.1 million in assets and $5.1 million in income. <laughs> couldn't do it without them. Now, they, I did it because I did what they said, but they made me chase realtors. They made me chase realtors. I still don't enjoy chasing realtors to this day, but I figured out ways to have a lot of fun with it, okay? So, there's three things when you are cultivating new realtor relationships that you have to do. Okay, the first one is you need to make a list You see, one of my greatest strengths is that I'm spontaneous. One of my greatest weaknesses is, I'm spontaneous. Okay, so I'm really good at someone telling me to do something, I'll go do it right then with very little fear. Okay, I'm not very good at, I can create the list in five minutes, but then like following up on the list and actually following it is difficult sometimes for me. But that's where really all the money is made, so you have to make a list, so I'm gonna go over that with you, okay? Second is initial contact. How we engage with new realtor relationships. So we have a list, and we'll go over initial contact and how we engage. And then the third is F you. Follow up. Okay, follow, yeah, not the other F you, you guys. Follow up, right? So how do we make a list? Okay, there's a. So first of all, raise the hands. How many of you know how to make a list? Cool. You can? Oh weak. I told you guys you'd forget. Waited too long. You can? Yeah, that's right. You can do this. I hate making lists. But I can do it, you can do it. So how do we make a list? I make a list for new realtors, a couple of different ways that I want to prospect. Okay? Number one is do I like them at all? So No, I'm being dead serious, just so you know. I know I tell jokes, that's not a joke. So my first criteria is what I call low-hanging fruit, is like, have I met them before, seen them somewhere, and I I like their swagger, I like their attitude, they seem cool, they're professional. Like, do I like them, right? Those are easy ones to add really quickly. These are for people that you're not in a working relationship with yet. Okay, do I like them? The second way is, qualifying them based on number of closings, right? It's not difficult to pull information on how many families are they serving? How many people, right, are they working with? that's easy to have a qualified list. If you want to make it really simple, just pull like the top 200, right? Agents that are in the market. Now, if you're in my market, that was depressing. I just did it a month and a half ago, just so you know. Okay, so there's 127 active listings in my city where I lived. What's a trip is only 26 of those are resales. And 71 are in contract already. There's not really a lot. So what do you think the top 10 do in my market unit wise? I just learned 17 sides total was number 10. I was like, oh my gosh, but you need to know. I needed to know. I need to know I need to probably work with more, right? So you qualify from do I like or know anything about them? Are they doing business as number two? Okay, and the third way, which is my favorite, is asking people that you know, whether it's past clients, friends, family, uh, attorneys, anyone, of like, if you were to think about real estate, right, who are two or three realtors that come to your, to your mind, right? So that's how we create the list. Do you like anything about them at all or know anything about them at all, right? Number two, qualify them from numbers. And number three is the easiest, and that's my preferred method, which I want to focus on with you, is calling your friends, family, sphere of influence, and asking them, "Who do you think about when it comes to mind when you say real estate? Who's a realtor that you would know? How hard is that phone call to make? It's not very hard. I can do this, so you can. You guys suck. I can do this, so ah, oh, see, you didn't follow directions. That was a trick. You can. There you go, good job. Way to follow directions. It takes me, listen, it took me seven years to fill out a greatness tracker correctly. So you guys are doing just fine. So we we have a qualified list now. We have a list of people that we're gonna go after. We need to focus on that list. Focus on that list. Don't get distracted and do what I did the first five years where I'd be like, oh, they didn't call me back the first time, take them off, put a new person on. Like I had an ever evolving list because i was just like oh i don't want to feel pain again i don't want them to not call me back i knew i wanted to be liked so bad that i would just avoid it and i would keep just adding new people and taking them off so i never really followed up with anyone honestly for a long time it was just like who was the easiest it's like dating i was like oh who's the easiest date <laughs> awesome and what we are talking about is dating Right? You have to pursue people, you have to show interest, and you have to be the one that follows up again and again and again. So we have the qualified list. Next on the agenda is initial contact. Now, we have this crazy technology called telephones. It's really weird because a lot of people don't use them. Okay? A lot of people like to go on Instagram instead. But the telephone is the best form of initial contact. We have to call these people. Well, what do I say, Jeremy? What do I say when I call them and we don't have a relationship? Well, I'm gonna go back to how I made the list. If you first focus on who would someone refer, and you get that list right, when you call your friends, family, etc., why wouldn't you just ask them for, for an introduction to that person if they know them? That's an easy way to warm up the list. It's a really simple tactic that I use all the time. And you can use that with current realtors you already work with. And if you're brand new, you can use, like I said, introductions from friends, family members, etc. That's a really easy way. You see, if, if you asked me, like, who, who would you refer? And I say Kendra Cook, and if you said, hey, would you mind making an introduction to that person? What would I say every time? Yes, yeah, oh, I'm happy to introduce you to Kendra Cook. That's an easier call to make. So learn how to warm up your calls a little bit. Another really easy tactic to warm up your calls is send them a gift. Send them something. Before you even talk to them. Well, seems like a waste of money, Jeremy. I don't even know. It's a waste of money. No, it's not. It's a point of interest. Now, I will tell you a story of uh, what not to do when you gift someone who you don't work with and they don't know you at all yet. So her name's Denise. This is a true story. So I kind of take things to extremes sometimes, okay? I'm a high-low guy, I get really depressed or I'm in ecstasy. It's one or the other, (laughs) okay? So I send Denise, I I find out, she's a big realtor where I live, still is, that she is a a painter. She's super passionate about painting, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. So I find out the type of painting she does and I get her a $170 paintbrush. Seems cool to me, even when I'm still saying it right now. <laughs> so I send her the paintbrush, and I'm like, yes. I wait seven days. She doesn't call me, so I'm like, well, I'm gonna call her and see if she likes the paintbrush, right? It's a way to warm, warm it up. So I give her a call, and I'm like, hey, Denise, it's Jeremy Forcier. I don't even remember what company I was at then, because I changed companies like 90 times. And I was like, hey, it's Jeremy Forcier at XYZ Mortgage. <laughs> hey, did you get the paintbrush? that I sent you. And this is what she said. Yes. (laughs) I was like, so did I get the right one? Dead silence. I was like, Denise? (laughs) So yeah, she's like, so I'm really busy. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. And she hung up, okay? So I went and found out through a mutual friend who knows, I was like, hey, I feel devastated, by the way. I'm like, what the heck? I thought this was a home run. It's going to be an easy appointment to get. And they were like, yeah, so she thought that was really creepy and that you were hitting on her and that you wanted to have some type of day. She knows nothing about you at all. And I learned a lesson in that, that like context does matter. <laughs> okay. I had no clue. Like I also learned that she paints naked people. So she paints the portrait, I don't know what it's called, when you do the thing. And I understand that it does kind of creepy now when I say it out loud, that I gave her the brush to do that type of painting, okay? True story, she still doesn't work with me, she'll talk to me at this point because she knows I do a lot of loans and stuff, but um, doesn't work with me still and she is on my boot camp list, okay? Wrote her a note today. So figure out ways like with your list, like how to make initial contact, how to warm up your calls. We're really only calling for one of three reasons at the end of the day, right? It's either to invite them to something, to make an appointment, or to ask for a referral. Now, which one of those three are inappropriate when you're chasing a new realtor? Yeah, for ask for a referral, right? So it's really only two when you're calling someone new. Now, there's lots of ways to engage someone. A really easy script that I use all the time. Hey, it's Jeremy Forcier, Cross Country Mortgage. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. The purpose of my call is I want you to write this down. I always say that, by the way, the purpose of my call is. Okay. The purpose of my call is I would love to get together with you for 15 minutes. You're a big agent in the area. I'm a great lender in the area, and I always think good people should know good people. That way, if you see my pre-approval letter come across your desk, right, you'll understand our process and we'll have some rapport. Can I just get 15 to 30 minutes of your time? No more, no less. It works a lot, just so you know. That simple script works a lot. Use it. it? Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a great, you're a great realtor in the area. I'm a great lender in the area. I would love to get together with you for 15 to 30 minutes max, because if you see one of my pre-approval letters come across your desk, we can build some rapport, and I think good people should know good people. Simple script. And if you don't want to write it all down, shoot an email to the core. I have a video that goes over it as well. I'm happy to have them send it out to you. For $11.95 a month, I'm just kidding. Um, it's cheaper than that, you guys, okay? So, uh, but it's really simple, right? Just, you're just literally, just ask for the appointment. Here's the mistake that I made for a really long time, and I see lots of loan officers make, not only that I coach, but that work for me, no matter which is weird, because they work for me. Like in my office, and I tell them exactly what to say. But we create our own narrative gap, right? We create our own narrative gap. So this is what this is what I used to sound like. Ring ring. Hello, Susan, it's Jeremy Forcier, Cross Country Mortgage. I wanted to get time with you because I have the craziest loan programs, I have the best rates ever, and I want to help as many of your borrowers as humanly possible. Let me tell you why I'm so great. 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 I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. Like that's all they hear. It's awful. You're not there to sell anything on the initial contact call. Nothing, nothing at all. You're not there to sell anything. Hey, you're literally, and that's why I use the purpose of my call is because it keeps me on track and focused, and I have ADD. And it works for anyone though, whether you have ADD or not, the purpose of my call is. Realtors want you to get right to the point, just so you know, when you don't have a relationship with them, otherwise you're spam, okay? So that's one way to call agents that you're currently not working with and ask for an appointment. Inviting them to something. All you have to do is create an event. It's not that hard. Have you ever heard of a lunch and learn? Maybe if I don't look you guys in the eyes. Have you guys ever heard of a lunch and learn? All right, cool, awesome. You can? Oh, you got that one, nice job. (laughs) Create a lunch and learn. Don't feel comfortable public speaking? Cool, have someone else do it. Bring in a real estate attorney, bring in an appraiser, bring in an expert, an influence, bring in anyone in the community and invite them to something. It's a really, really easy way to call people and engage. Now, does it matter if they say, yep, no problem, I wanna come? Does that matter? No. This is initial contact with realtors you're not working with yet. Okay, you're adding value, you're showing that you're professional, that you're going after it. You're inviting them to something that could make them more money. There's only two things that realtors really need to know in the initial contact call, by the way, it, to be of value to them, is you wanna invite them to things that will either make them more money, write this down, make them more money, or save time. If we just focus on those two things, That will always be valuable to agents. Invite them to something like that. Don't want to throw your own event? I did this for years and years and years. Just Google events in and then put where you live. Events in where you live. So events in Petaluma, California. You will get a list of events that are coming up that you don't have to plan or do anything around. You just have to invite people to it. It's pretty easy, okay? So initial contact is really important. What's even more important though is the follow-up on the initial contact. And this is where I drop the ball constantly, okay? I do it really, really good every six months. Why do you think I do it really, really good every six months for a couple months? Because I go to this thing called the summit. It's pretty awesome. It's three days of intensive, like, this is what you need to do. And it's like I wake up from a coma. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been doing that for four months. (laughs) I haven't been doing anything. (laughs) I haven't been doing any of this stuff. And I'm really, really good at it for a few months. And then four months goes by again, and then it's a summit. And I'm like, oh my God, I stopped doing all that again. And especially right now in this market specifically, it's getting back to the super basics, like when you were brand new in the business and being held accountable to it. So you just, have, you just have to invite them to something, create some events, follow up over and over and over again. My minimum follow-up when I wanna pursue a new relationship is 10 times. Okay, so I will follow up 10 times with zero response before I decide, do I wanna leave them on or do I wanna swap it out? Okay, 10 times. That's one time a week for 10 weeks. Now, in your folder, there's an extreme version of this, the extreme follow-up. I have never done that plan, I'll be totally honest. <laughs> it said product of Jeremy at top, and I was reading through I go, this is Oleg's. I- I'm- <laughs> He's better at this than I am. Mine's really simple, it's a 10 week, it's a little Excel thing, 10 people, 10 weeks. Now, if you do 10 people for 10 weeks, and there is 52 weeks in a year, like how many do you get? Well. You get through one, two, three, four, you get through five. So five times 10 is how much? Cool. So how many realtors though? If there's 10 realtors on it, 500, right? So you're gonna convert by just following up with these people about 10 to 20% of those cold relationship warm-ups. Okay. So that is a lot just so you know, that's potentially 50 new relationships if you just do that, like over a year. Now, can we talk about uh, realtors that don't call you back ever and ghost you? Is that cool? Awesome. This is the fun part for me, honestly, because rather than giving up, I just start to have more fun, okay? You can't take yourself so serious. Like you gotta have a little fun at some point. There's this guy named Rick A. I'm not gonna say his full last name in case my competitors are in here. Okay, but Rick A, who I've been following up with for a long time, okay, and like three weeks ago, I noticed I got one of his uh, company-provided update emails, like I'm a client or something like that, you know, like the fake ones that every single realtor gets from their company that get sent out, and I had called him seven times, sent him seven text messages, a video. I went through my little list, like, how many times have I followed up with this guy? He has never called me back once, ever. I'm offended at this point. So he sends me his spam thing. And at first I I was angry. And I know that whenever I'm angry, I have to stop and pause and go, ooh, this is an opportunity. This is cool. This is an opportunity. So he sent me his thing. So I emailed him back. I go, this is awesome information. Thank you so much for adding me to your client list. I knew all these calls were making a difference in getting an appointment with you right i have followed up with you 7 times two different ways that's 14 times i'm guessing 15 is your favorite number that is literally what my email said got the appointment okay got the appointment now i didn't get the appointment cuz he thought it was funny I got the appointment cuz he was ashamed shame Marketing is okay (laughs) In follow-up guilt Marketing is okay in follow-up Let's talk about the meeting. So you followed up with a bunch of people you're working like a mad crazy person and you get a number of Appointments from calling all these people getting introductions, etc. You get the actual meeting I wanna prepare you for something if you're new in the business, and I wanna re-prepare you if you're old in the business and you're just starting to work again for the first time in the last two and a half years. Realtors flake on you at a very high rate of return (laughs) for the appointments. Now, I used to call all my appointments in advance, the day before, tied to my training business too, mostly because I'm a capitalist like Rick, and I had a 24-hour cancellation policy, so guess when I called them all the day before? Like, hour 23. Hey, I want to confirm our appointment tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I can't make it tomorrow. Oh, that's okay. No big deal, charged every time. I never didn't charge. And then I could double book and I could make more money with someone who's on the waiting list or I could work out and get paid for it. Well, I do the same thing with realtors. It's called guilt marketing. So you're gonna show up to about, I don't know, 50, last time I looked at it, it was 58% of my first time appointments flaked on me. This is true, okay? Because I don't confirm anymore. But I found that when I drive somewhere, usually we're meeting at a coffee shop, and some of you might know this already, right? The guilt marketing tactic. I will go there, I always ask them in advance, you know, hey, so what type of coffee do you like? You know, I'll have one ready for you, I'm gonna be there early, I have a client appointment before. Even though I don't, just so you know. So I, I get a little information, I understand that they like a latte, vanilla latte. Okay, I get there, I buy the vanilla latte, I get my cup of coffee, I sit. Now I don't follow up with them when they're flaking on me until, about minute 16. Now, number one, I built 16 minutes of time where I can call other realtors while I'm sitting there getting flaked on. I'm using the time, right? But number two, I know that they can't, if I get a hold of them in minute 16, they're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. I'll be right there. I get to say, oh, I can't. I have to take off. <laughs> like, I have another appointment. I only booked 30 minutes for us. But I, I always send them a picture of the coffee cup with their name on it. <laughs> True story. You got, a lot of you know it. One of you asked me about it earlier. It's true. And I just, I send them a text message with it and I go, hey, might've forgot about me. And it has the coffee cup which says Bob on it, okay? Have fun. People are gonna disappoint you. People are gonna flake on you, but have a good time. Okay, create a process of follow-up. Now, another, uh, another way of following up is make sure you're adding them to some type of video email campaign. Right? Make sure you're adding them some type of video email campaign. There's an example of one of them in my book, okay, of an actual email that I sent. It's a video of me talking about what's going on in the market and here's the opportunity. What's going on in the market, here's the opportunity. Just create something simple like that. Create a video campaign. They get an email every other week. Send it out to them. When you follow up the next time, are you more familiar or not? Can you guys all send an email? You can. Do it. It's not do it. It's do this. You can. Do this. That's right, baby. There you go. Be ferocious. Be bold for crying out loud. If someone flakes on you and you followed up with them so many times and they finally pick up the phone, like you should just say, hey, I have no idea why you don't work with me. Say that. I do it all the time. I did it today in a text message. Like in between the things, I was like, "Hey, I don't understand. Like, we are, why why we don't do everything together? Can we get together and talk about it? Make sure that you're having a little bit of fun with it." Now, let's say you're getting ghosted. Let me give you a hack tactic for boot camp. Here, by the way, okay? I highly recommend you all do boot camp, whether you're ready or not, because I wasn't ready, and I'm still not ready, and I'm doing it, and it's super effective, super, super, super effective. So if someone, you've called them, you've added them to your list, you've called for the appointments, you've invited them to something, you're getting ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. This is one of my favorite things to do. What color is this? Hot pink, not just pink. Very good, this is hot pink. Okay, so I take this on weekends, and it stays in my, well it's in my backpack all the time, because it has my stuff in it, but I print my lead tracker forms, and I put them on this clipboard. And when I'm driving around and if I see an open house, guess what I do? I just go in with my clipboard. I'm being dead serious. I've taught this to Kevin Rudd. I'm coaching him right now. And he told me, he's like, this is magic. I go, I know, I'm telling you, it really works. You walk in with a clipboard. It doesn't matter if you're dressed to the nine, sorry, Rick, or not. I walked into one, where literally I look like a bum. I just got done working out, sweaty. I see the open house, Mary Ann's name on it. I'm like, I've been, ugh, I wanna work with Mary Ann. So I just went into the open house, grabbed my clipboard, have my lead trackers. Mary Ann's very professional. She was like, oh, hello, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, thank you, you know? And she was like, would, do, would you care to sign in? I said, absolutely. <laughs> signed in, you sign in always if they have a sign in sheet. Sign in, signed in. I take my clipboard, I start walking around. She gives me some space, like a good realtor should. Then she asks me, right, when I'm coming through, she goes, so, you know, are you, do you live in the area? Are you a neighbor? Are you looking, and I said, no. Then <laughs> you just wait, and then she'll ask you another question. So what are you doing here? <laughs> I have her at that moment. So I have my lead tracker. And I said, oh, well, I'm a lender, I work in the area, and I'm just going through all of the people that I pre-approved because inventory is so low and I know you guys are all working so hard. And I just wanna match them up and scrub it against my list to see if there's anyone I have on my list that needs to see this house. That's why I'm here. And she said, wow, I've never, ever, ever had a lender do that. And I said, well, I do it for all my clients. I don't know who you work with, but that's what I do. Now, it doesn't end there, okay? You're not selling in that moment either, just so you know. What did you just create? Interest, yes. Okay, I created interest. So I just leave after that. I literally, I don't hand out the cards or the cookie bag or anything. I was like, we'll see you later. It was very nice to meet you. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call next week. You know, it'd be good to just catch up or whatever, get to know you, and I leave. And then you call. Did she take my call that time? 100%. I had an appointment with her. She sold $88 million of real estate, you guys. Okay? So you can... Do this! I did it in a sweaty shirt after I got done working out. You can do this, too. I promise you. But you know what we can't do? We can't do anything great alone. That's the truth. Would I have ever have done that if I wasn't doing this stupid boot camp? No, <laughs> probably not. I've got to figure out how to meet with 100 people in 90 days and 50 of them I can't know. And I've got to meet with them twice, not once. Create these opportunities for you. I wouldn't do it by myself, though, but I'm being held accountable to it. Where literally I get fined if I don't do it. Like I gotta go do it. So we can't do anything great alone. It's really important to surround yourself with great people that are gonna hold you accountable. And there is no better group of people that I have ever experienced than the people that are involved with the core. And trust me, I try to talk myself out of it a bunch of times. Like my first six years, I'm like, this sucks. This is stupid. This is, this is awful. And then you saw my chart though. And I'd look at the chart and go, this is pretty good. <laughs> I like this a lot. <laughs> this is great. But you have to surround yourself with great people, and you have to be held accountable to a process, even if you're not good at it. I'm a D student, at best. That's 60%, okay? So if 60% done over 12 years can get me these kind of results, imagine what they can get you if you're an A student. Imagine that for a second. If I actually did everything that I was told to do, which I'm totally capable of, by the way, but I'm an idiot. I just choose not to. I'm like, oh, it sounds like I can do, figure it out better than that. <laughs> no, I can't. All right, so being held accountable is really, really, really important. You guys know what that's called? You guys thought I forgot what I was gonna say, huh? That's called creating tension. <laughs> it's a sales tactic you can use with people as well. Okay. So one of my favorite quotes that I'll ever remember, I actually learned from a real human being. I don't know his name, because he was a homeless man on the streets of San Francisco. And I remember walking past him, and he looked happy. So I love to say hello to happy people. And I walked past him with my family. We were going to Buca de Beppo. If any of you guys know what that is, it's like some ghetto chain spaghetti factory place. Okay? And we're walking by this bum, he looked happy. And I was like, hey, how you doing? You having a good night? He was like, yeah, and he stopped me. He grabbed me and he goes, young man. And I was scared. Listen, I'm five foot six on a good day. This is a big man, and he smells. And he said to me, he said, young man, you can't walk on water if you don't jump out the boat. And I was like, okay. But then I walked away, and I realized how wise that was. Is that you can't do anything great. We all say that we want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We all say these things that we want, but we don't want to do the work around it. Well, that's what accountability will do for you. That's what the core has done for me. And you can it! That's right. Thank you so much for the time today, Jeremy Corcia. Yeah. You've been listening to the core sales training bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at thecoretraining.com.